One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. It's your host, Scott Needham. I've got a guest with me. This is not his first time being on the show. And where he lives reminded me of a story that I thought was like so awkward and funny. I'm like, I'm just going to share it because we live in the same area. I live in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. He moved to a town that's probably, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes north. Before I get too crazy in the story, Will, welcome. Thank you. I honestly, I'm stoked to hear about the story because I live in the cafeteria for the mosquitoes because there's so many mosquitoes where I live that if you go outside, like sometimes you don't make it back inside. Because you're basically on the shores of uh, the Great Great Salt Lake, Lake, which is not a lush green lake. It is dry, yellow. This area was a ginormous salty sea at one point. And so this is the remnants of that sea and it's a ginormous lake if you've ever swam in the ocean you kind of get that buoyancy factor it's way more than that i mean it's kind of a cool landmark cool thing that's where salt lake city comes from right that's the name of it everything so will is completely deep into amazon data that's where we're going to be talking but first i'm reminded of this story because i recently i was talking about like um bad dates so um, usually girls have the bad date stories because they have no idea what's going to happen. And like, then I realized, well, that means the guys are the ones giving the bad dates. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I think there's a few times where I'm the one that gave that bad date that like people are telling a story about. So, okay. A few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, this girl I wanted to take out, it wasn't quite a date, but it was like, you know, I asked her out, I picked her up, I drove her. There was a few other friends around, but, but it was a full moon. And like, I like to get outside on a full moon. I mean, when I was single, wanting to just have fun. And because full moons can like create some really cool circumstances in Utah. If you're in the mountains or whatever, you can see stuff. It's kind of cool just to really be in the middle of nowhere with a full moon because it feels like there's a flashlight on everything. So I was like, well, let's go to the Great Salt Lake. Let's whoa, like whoa, float. Whoa. I've done this before. This is whoa. like... It's like fun to float. Like I've done it during a sunset. Actually, the sunsets are really cool. This little island called the Antelope Island. And Will lives like right next to Antelope Island. So we get out. This is like, this is July, August. So it's like, it's warm, comfortable. And like, we're in our swimsuits. We have like floaties that we're going to go jump on. And when we get out about 30 feet away from the, the beach shore, which is, it's not like nice sand, but it is sand. It starts to look black along the shore of the lake. And we're like, what's that black? It looks like seaweed. You just, we just keep walking. Then we get closer. And every time we took a step, I'd hear this like buzzing sound. And turns out this like this sea of black was actually bugs. And there's this certain type of like uh, flies. These were not the biting ones. So we didn't go there, but like, it was so thick, you could not avoid it. And I don't know how to this day that I like still wanted to go out and like, let's do it, you know? And like this girl, like we were walking through crunching, you know, hundreds of like little mini <laughs> flies and bugs. And it was okay once we get out in the water, but I can't believe like that, you know, it was my first time with her that like I took her to that place that had like, you know, just a sea of well, these like flies 
you forgot to mention the smell. Like the no, great smell, like in general, does not smell no. awesome. Hopefully, one day she listens to this episode. And is like, oh my gosh, I have told that story so many times. <laughs> That's so many like about the bad dates that Scott needed. <laughs> That's Will's neighborhood. I actually think if smell is like you know going to push you away, I actually think Antelope Island is pretty awesome. Oh, it's and way cool. Have you ever done a sunset on Lope Island on the oh, west side? The small town I live in is called Syracuse. The sunsets from here are amazing. We get amazing sunsets almost every night. And I have not done one on the other side of Antelope Island. Are so they because the, the Great Salt Lake is like so flat of a lake, you know, there's nothing. It can create crystal clear, mm. like flat surfaces. And if you're on the other side of Antelope Island, you basically get a perfect reflection. The bugs aren't out yet. The bugs aren't out like they are at midnight when yeah. we went at like nine o'clock. If you can handle, you do have to handle a little bit of smell. Like it's okay, yeah. but like, yeah, it's yeah. not like, but you get this crystal flat reflection and it's the best sunsets I've seen, like as good as anything I've ever seen. So wow. I actually did wedding photography in college and some of my first wedding photography shots were taking like engagement pictures of friends out there on the salt flats. That's what they call them. At, or okay. excuse me, not the salt flats, but like on the salty kind of like flat areas. And I have pictures of like, and it looks like an exact duplicate because of the mirroring yeah, effect. Yeah. It's you just know, the, so amazing. Well, the salt flats create that as well. What's weird is like, I don't know, the, the salt flats are a whole different story because like, you know, there's like water out on the salt flats that like moves mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so weird. Way weird. I've been to there sometimes and there's water and sometimes that there's not. And like, I've heard yeah. like it can actually move. Crazy landmarks in Utah. If you ever yeah. like, like all these movies that like, they look like they're on the surface of another planet. It's all like crunchy white. Yeah. That's probably filmed on the salt flats. There, there are some crazy stuff out here for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Back to uh, data land forever. I just get to know that I am someone's bad date story. Well, we're going to talk about bad data. Whoa. So I guess that's how we can like, we can kind of like, tie this in the, the bad go. dates and the bad data do you know what um, there's a lot of similarities and uh, <laughs> both, both, both just leave you um you know wanting something better Ooh, we are we are definitely so i think i've decided we're now comparing bad dates to bad data on this episode <laughs> and so we're going to just draw all of the similarities to you know you you go and take amazon's api on a date and what you thought you were getting you end up finding out that, you know, it, it, this is almost like a bad marriage, right? Like you get in, you actually yeah. build a lot of software or connections. And then Amazon's like, yeah, you remember that thing I was doing before? I don't want to do that anymore. Like, this is not what you expected. So getting data from Amazon, most people, when we say a word like API, that's a programmer interface. That's how it's like how a programmer connects to Amazon to just get data. And mm -hmm. there's multiple APIs. The two that are probably the most commonly used is the selling partner API. That's your mm -hmm. seller data. That's your mm -hmm. transactions. And then the uh, advertising data. They're mm -hmm. completely separate APIs, annoyingly so, that like they would just, you know. I have a theory on this. And actually, Brandon Checkets, who's he's the founder of Seller Labs, he's been working on these APIs for over 10 years. He thinks that the reason that these APIs look the way they do is because of the pizza teams. So if you think about like, the Amazon principle of six to eight people, which is basically, you know, you could feed six to eight people on two pizzas. Any more than that is too big a team. That, like that's how they kind of silo out yeah. and have people work on stuff. 
I think it's because every endpoint is a different pizza team. Like, 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 like they've all decided, like, like I think originally it was like, oh, we need an API for advertising. And then they were like, oh, we need one for transactions. But it was actually the opposite way around. I think they came out with transactions first and then advertising came later because obviously advertising came later. Well, when they, they were like, oh, we don't, we need a whole nother pizza team for that. So they made the other pizza team and they forgot to talk to each other. I think that's why we have two separate APIs. I think that's why we have the different discrepancies in data. I mean, when, when you think about the different marketplaces and how it's set up, I mean, amazing company, they scale like crazy. That's amazing what they're doing. And they're innovating, which breaks stuff. But I think that's why you see the discrepancy. Yeah, there's also just different priorities. I mean, like, so Amazon brought on sellers in you know the early 2000s. Advertising wasn't a thing. Until like 2015, where yeah. like, okay, there's this advertising thing we could create. And so they're like, well, this old API, which was called the MWS, it's not used anymore, but it is being transitioned away from. And they're like, this doesn't serve us. And so they built that. And then they actually wanted to refresh it. So I think maybe the timing, the years that these were started mm-hmm. could have had an effect. Either way, I've interfaced with both of them. It's not easy. And when mm-hmm. people like, even when they bring a developer and they want to build something, you got to be serious if you're actually <laughs> going to do something here. Well, and that's okay. Like, you know, if, if a seller wants to well, like invest and really be serious and like create a very complicated flow for their business, mm-hmm. that's great. But just know that you're in for, you know, this isn't just like a weekend, like, mm-hmm. uh, like no. four or five thousand dollar trip. Like, like this is not like yeah. a I'm gonna pay four or five grand, they're gonna make me an application, and then it's just gonna work after that. So drawing the parallel to the bad dates, if you decide to marry someone who maybe was a bad dater, you've got to make some commitments there, right? Like this is a for the long haul sort of thing. Yeah. It's the same thing with Amazon, right? Like if you're gonna go in there, you've got to be willing to commit pushing into all of what's there. I tell people it's almost a full-time developer's job just to maintain all of the connections between the two different pieces of what's there based on what I've seen. Now, it's not always like that. Not every month is that developer super busy so they can work on other things. But if you don't have that dev on call ready to go, there are days where I've got, I have devs where like the half of the month is literally just spent on updating deprecated APIs or massaging data discrepancies or different things like that. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Some of the data you get isn't as useful as it sounds. You're like, hey, this report, you know, says it's supposed to have all my orders. Well, maybe that doesn't actually, at least this is when I was really building this a few years ago. You just get the orders report that it's not going to always add up to what hits your bank account. You're like, which one's the authority? So, you know, oh, well, oh, now it's like, then I had to turn all my building over to the transactions report or the settlement report. Yeah. Finding that source of truth is half the battle, right? The most common question we get. So just to give you an idea of why Seller Labs, you may have heard the name Seller Labs before. You may have heard of Feedback Genius or Scope or one of these others. They're one of the original. In fact, I think Prosper started like when 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. and there was maybe like six service providers. Seller Labs was one. Correct. And they still are today. They Every year they go back. It's funny because that first year they actually wore lab coats. It was kind of nerdy. We actually brought the lab coats back this last year, if you saw us at Prosper. Like 
we're going back to our roots of data and understanding where that was. Brandon, as he dug in, looked at this and looked at, okay, what does the world need next? What are the Amazon sellers? What are the agencies that are serving those Amazon sellers? What do they need next? And he realized, you know what? We are really, really good at getting the data from Amazon, translating the data from Amazon, analyzing the discrepancies and finding real sources of truth, understanding, oh, in this dashboard on this page inside Seller Central, it says X, but over here in the API, it says Y. Why is it different? And we can actually tell you there's probably 15 different places where we can show you discrepancies between the two and why they're discrepant and why it's important for you to understand what you're seeing in the data and all, everything that's there. And so that's been our focus now is creating a connector for Google Sheets, for Excel, for Tableau, whatever yeah. you're using to make so that work. Recently, uh, about a month ago, I had a, a podcast with this company called Delta Logic and they're developers. They're like a dev shop for Amazon. And if you were not going to use a company like that, that has like the Amazon expertise and you wanted to build out like anything, even small, big, like, mm -hmm, like you said, like mm -hmm. you want to throw your data into a Tableau. You guys have built like this data hub, which is basically all the data just like given to you and pushed at you. We create a SQL database that's specific to you as a seller, or if you've got clients and you're in an agency and you're using it, we create a separate SQL database for each one of your clients. And then those databases have views that are all associated with the different APIs. So depending on what data we're pulling in, we're either pulling it in hourly or for like order data, we go get that very, very frequently. If it's just like inventory data, that's probably twice a day. So it, it depends on what it is that we're getting at. And it's funny that you mentioned they're called Delta Logics, right? Well, the interesting thing is one of my teammates actually sent me a link to that podcast episode and said, hey, you need to reach out to these guys because I think we could probably partner with them and help them speed up some of their development process and look at some of those different pieces of what's there. Because our goal is to be provider that makes it really easy to develop on top of. We're actually developing APIs where people can build apps on top of our data as well. So like we have a couple sellers that are coming forward and saying, hey, I have this really cool spreadsheet that analyzes everything from like how long things should sit in FBA. And it's my own take on this. It's got my own algorithms in it. And they want to go build an app that goes that. Well, every seller everywhere wants a SaaS company. We're actually providing people the opportunity to build on top of our framework so that they can have you know, apps and, and look at you that. Know, that was in the back of my mind at some point. I just know it's like, building on top of someone else's layer. Like there's just like, it's, there's a lot of things that go into that. And that, that's what we're digging into. But what a way to speed up, you know, your time to market. It's like, oh, someone else has done all this work and we can, it almost, almost becomes like a partnership to a mm -hmm. degree, which is why I was like, well, okay, there's a lot of parts of this, but I love it. I think that's a scalable, you know, a great way to like prove a concept. They're becoming micro ventures is what's happening for us is where these sellers are coming to us and we're spinning up a, a JV and we're looking at the different sides of it. Sometimes we build, sometimes they build. Really, our goal is to focus on the data so that we empower people to do what they want with it instead mm -hmm. of having to focus on whether canceled is spelled with one L or two. That's so <laughs> funny. Because I think for many years, that's always run through my head, like accessing a certain report and like canceled. So the report, it depends on which marketplace you get it from. Because if it's a UK marketplace, they spell it the UK way. And if it's a US marketplace, they spell it the US way. 
And so stuff just gets all sorts of exciting. And that's the sort of thing that we provide as a translation layer. So when we import those orders, we make the executive decision to spell it all one way. So that when you're yeah. trying to look at, you know, how many orders did I have canceled last year? You don't lose half of them because you were selling in the UK or where, you know what I mean? Like we're cleansing that data and we're watching for it across all of our sellers. How many marketplaces have you built out to? As of right now, so I actually asked Brandon that. I was like, so in terms of marketplaces, like what can we handle? And he said, well, I haven't found one we haven't been able to handle yet. I well, was like, but okay. You're not going to find a lot of sellers in the... Um... There's like, I even think Singapore has a marketplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then like there's the new ones like Poland and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweden. And So what we found is we have a place in our software where we keep track of like the number of requests that have come in and we'll hook anybody up on any of them and just see what are the nuances around those different pieces. So the vast majority, all the popular ones, they're in there. And we have people coming in and asking for some of the other ones. And it's been interesting how some of them, it's not that much work to adjust the software to import yeah. and, and grab everything that it's needed. Like well, we, we have people who come to us and ask for new reports too. And same thing, we can go grab new reports, just build it into the infrastructure. There you go. As someone that has transitioned from uh, the selling partner API, like it's tough. It's, it can be a little bit rough to really piece together all of these things. The selling partner API went through a big change, but not as drastic as a, an API as the advertising. If right. you are dealing with the advertising data and you want to be, you know, cutting edge, good luck if you're a developer. It, Amazon has so much money there. What we find yeah. is that the innovation is fastest where the money is growing the most for Amazon. I got invited to go out to like their show where they wine and dine the big agencies. And like I sat in the auditorium and they showed like their sphere of all the advertising. Like they're trying to create a media juggernaut that includes all of the different media platforms. They've like purchased MGM and several other. They've got this giant portfolio of places where you can place advertising now. And it's just amazing how much money they're throwing into the thing is, is, like, I think it's hard for us to appreciate a business that, say, is at $30 billion a year. It's not hard to get from 30 to 35 And that's $5 billion that probably has some of the highest, like, margin. Like, it's when you yeah. have a successful advertising business, like, that's just yep. like, that's the most free money they're going to ever find. And which is why you see so much innovation, because they can just throw development at it yeah. like crazy. And they're willing to deprecate as well because they know everybody's just got to be able to do what, you know, whatever they say is what we do. And they're just big enough that that's kind of how it rolls. You were mentioning, you know, SPAPI maybe not be as bad as some of those things. The one caution that I would put out there is the discrepancies that I've seen from the SPAPI and what I'm seeing in like the Traffic by Child Asian report or different things like that. There's a lot of differences that we're seeing in that seller data yeah. that doesn't always go there. But you're right, it does not change as often. Well, as if it, you if you include does. the new brand reports that they're uh, yep. offering, then you can say that there's been more innovation in the SP API in the last two True. or three years than True. I think there was any innovation from 2013 to like 2019. There was yep. very few changes. It's evolving. And I hope to see more. There's some data, this is just like, I'm going to throw out my opinion that like they won't always give you because mm -hmm. Amazon is very protective. 
Here's an example. I think in like 2010, you could actually, through the API, get other sellers' inventory quantities. And they just gave it. That was obviously taken away like in 2011. Now, if you get it, you know, like yet you're playing through some like add to cart, you know, glitches or whatever. But Amazon is very protective of like other people's data. Sometimes they're protective of like, go find me an API that like reviews on my product. Like there is no API for reviews on my product, which that data is so valuable for product iteration, for everything else that's there. It's amazing that there's not a good API. So the only way to get at that data is to scrape it. And so like you look at that, you look at seller ratings, you look at like there's lots of different things where the only way to get at the data is to build a robot that goes in and gets it for you. It's just insane what they won't put out. Yeah, and those robots won't always work. I've tried. Oh, it's amazing. Honestly, it's amazing the amount of money that they're spending on detecting bots and repelling them. I mean, there's a lot to be said in terms of, you know, whoever controls that data has some real power in some of the different things that are there, which is part of why you have to be careful with which SaaS companies you're signing up for. You got to make sure that they're, you know, there's enough of a, a user base that you know you're not going to get on a banned list quickly, you know. Brand new SaaS products, you got to be careful with to some degree or another, because if they're doing the wrong stuff, they can link you all together and it's all sorts of crazy. Yeah. There's only one time where I've like jumped on a, a product where I was like seeing the warning bell go off and off and off. I'm like, this is not right. And they actually ended up getting suspended. The uh, developer. Yeah. The developer was. So that was Elite Seller. They were a rebate key essentially. Ah, and the rebate key thing, I mean, there was a while where that was totally legit, right? Like it was, it was totally above board. Well, no time. one had spoken specifically against it. It was like a, <laughs> That's a more accurate way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I always had a bit of, you know, I've even had some people that would talk about rebates on this podcast. Like, you know, I'm, um, I'm interested and I'm not going to like make it awkward but like there's like some gray area and like if people mm -hmm. want to go that way they can i'll talk yeah. about it but well it's important to understand that i mean everyone's trying to do their best to build a business on amazon right that's the goal here and so yeah. you're constantly testing out new techniques and seeing about what's there i honestly back in the snag shout days that was a big product for Selly labs for a long time they ended up selling off that product because it became gray hat but i honestly love giving reviews for free products as a customer. That was great. And I didn't feel like it, it was, you know, messing with stuff too much. And obviously Amazon didn't agree. And so, you know, they shut it down and created Vine and, and all of the other things that are there. And so you got to think about it from both ends. Like Amazon's trying to create this marketplace where there's this level of trust in the reviews and it's constantly going to be some push and pull, constantly going to be some push. Yeah. I don't know. No matter how squeaky clean they try and make it, I don't trust everyone. Nah, you can't. It goes back to those bad dates, right? You got to do a little bit of homework before you go on that bad date. That's right. And unfortunately for this girl, she didn't know that the homework you need to do is I'm willing to do anything <laughs> to try and have a good time. And that even means drag you through uh, just a sea of brine flies. And only 10 years later, do I regret it. Yes. Well, it's funny. I think your wife though, now she did her homework and she's sticking with you. So yeah, I tell her that story and like, she's on the girl's side. She's like, you're an idiot. 
Oh, love it. Well, the moral of the story is if you're digging into data, I mean, don't be afraid to go look in and pick up. If you're not looking at that traffic by a child ASIN report, go dig that one up. If you're not looking up that transactions report, like like that's where that real source of truth. Um, what type of sellers do you find that are using this the most? Good question. So I think that any seller could use it. I think that the sellers that are going to get the most value out of it, I tell people, are you already downloading reports on a regular basis and creating an Excel version of a profit and loss statement that has your own spin on it because you're creating these bundles or something like that? If you're creating on the regular basis, any sort of report that way, where you're cracking anything from you know, your sales rank to to your returns to all of those other things. Those are the people that are going to get the most out of this. And I find that they are generally a little bit of a larger seller. The smaller sellers generally are just trying to like stay in stock and a lot of those other things. They haven't figured out how to scale enough to have the Mm -hmm. time to go analyze their business in that way. But those are the individuals who are getting the most out of it. They're already analyzing. They're not leveraging, you know, saying they're not taking on loans of half a million dollars or a million dollars where like the stakes are a little bit lower, but when the stakes are higher and you're doing these like bigger swings, like you want more confidence in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You want to see mistakes. Like for example, this is the question that I like to ask sellers is, you know, it's right now it's June. How many of you guys know if you were profitable or actually how profitable you were (laughs) in May? Can you just tell me May? Give me How May's profitable number. were you in we're May? We're 20 days. We're 20 days past May. Yep. Do you know? Yep. And do you have confidence in how well you know? And if um, you don't, trust me, you have work to do. Have you had Tyler Jeffcoat from Seller Accountant on the podcast? I think I might have. Yeah, I think yeah. I have. He such a good guy. That's like his favorite question when he goes to trade shows. Is somebody like, so how profitable were you last month, or were you funding Bezos's next yacht? Like he loves, he loves to throw that out there. And that's one of the reasons why we built data hub is because we take all of those APIs and we have a cool sheets template that you can install that literally will go down and tell you your profitability and on a group of ASINs. So you can put in like five or six ASINs and you can analyze it, or you can look at one ASIN and we kind of show you that over time. And we're just pulling in all of that data across everything that's there to try to show you like, Hey, look, here's, was it actually profitable? Mm-hmm. including advertising. Yeah, very important, very important. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting me talk about Antelope Island and the Great Salt Lake. I love that. I actually like how Seller Labs has evolved. Like they were one of the original players. They have ventured through the woods. And right now you guys are all in on giving people their data. So if you guys are interested, just go to Seller Labs. You guys can get access to your data for a fraction of the price of, of using a developer. Yep. So worth trying out. That's um, the goal. And it's it's got a free trial in there. They've got a bunch of free templates. We're happy you know to walk what, you through where that goes. Do you know what you could use to build this? I mean, like no one has built this. So if someone wants to create a, a software service, well, good luck first. It's hard. <laughs> Second, I think there's a space for someone to create a price elasticity service mm. where you can prove in the data the price at which it, you maximize profit. 
maybe you actually will maximize your profit if you just take like 10% margin, but you are going to see you blow through 2000 units a day. And I think that, you know, if you wanted a proof of concept that really fast, like that's what I would do. Okay. So, you know, I am a total nerd when it comes to like data and all of that stuff. And especially a total nerd when it comes to tools. Have you looked at the new stuff that Chad Rubin's doing with prophecy? Because when you said oh, yeah. price he, elasticity, I was like, oh, he, he, that's kind of he, where he's, he's going. He's been on the podcast and we've talked about prophecy, but I think there's a few different ways you can do this. I think his way is actually like probably the smartest, mm. but you'd have to trust that he's the smartest. I mm -hmm. think I haven't been inside his platform, but I would love to see reports on this. Me too. Yeah. When you mentioned sales elasticity and, and some of those different pieces, I agree that there's a gap there. And I think there's lots of people who dig into the repricing and all of the different things like that. But wow, is there an opportunity there? I think there. you would do well, even if you just offered this as like a report or a, a view of like, okay, I was priced at $22 and then I was priced at 25 and I was priced at 30. And you don't make any of the judgments. Let the seller. The seller. Make. Yeah. So we, we do have one of our reports is that profit and loss statement. We also have another template that we're working on where we actually will analyze your entire catalog and tell you what is enrollable in small and light and what your profit would be if you had enrolled in small and light. Because you can enter your COGS into Seller Labs and all we can right. kind of give you that. So like, because there's all that, there's that threshold, right? Every time those thresholds change, $12 to $9 to whatever else. There's a lot of different things you can do to kind of pull some levers and pull well, some more profitability out. I can tell. So Smart Scout started because of the small, the small and light program. I wanted to find all the best small and light products across the entire catalog of Amazon. So that's where that, that idea started. Wait, so Smart Scout started because you wanted to go out and like go find all of those small and light products yep. and then like become yeah. a seller in them. I know for a fact that we were the number one small and light seller for a period of time. Hey. Um, I mean, like we were onboarding SKUs like crazy. And like the small and light team was reaching out to me, like talking to me like, on hey, what's going basis. on? What's going on? Tell us, tell us. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then, I'm not and telling they, you. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't listen to anything I said because they killed the program in my heart. When they changed the $15 price to like, I think like $7.99, I'm like, okay, I'm out. You killed 80% well, of my products. They bumped it back up after a while. After like three years. Oof. Yeah, long so, enough that they killed 80% of your business. One of the reasons is we were an early mover. In 2017, no one was using small and light. So we found all the products and we're like, okay, this was like top secret. Don't tell anyone the small and light program <laughs> is so awesome. We're going to undercut everyone by a dollar and make money. But we did not stay forever in small and light, but we did build a pretty cool map that a bird's eye view of Amazon. And that's, that's smart scout. Okay. Well, thanks Will for coming on chatting. Hope to see where you guys take this and maybe one of my uh, ideas, I'll just use your data instead of relying on my three developers who, if I use them to like do my pet projects, it's probably a waste of time. So well when you've got a pet project you need to work on, come check it out and we'll do a little JV and, and hook it up and sell it to the Seller Labs current customers and all of the above. There you go. Okay. All right. Thanks, Will. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the episode. Tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad. I hope to catch you on the next one. All right. We'll talk to you later. One, two, three. Yeah.